Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1039 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today on the podcast, I'll be speaking with Sheila. She's had type 1 diabetes since 1967. She's lived a full life, had children, been married, and been through quite a lot. This episode, we'll discuss some of the things that Sheila has traversed. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Save 40% off of towels, sheets, hoodies, all kinds of clothing, PJs, everything that they have at CozyEarth.com. And to save that 40%, all you have to do is use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. You can get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order at DrinkAG1.com forward slash JUICEBOX. And last but not least... The Diabetes Pro Tip Series has been remastered. It runs between episode 1000 and 1026 in your players, and there's a special offer in the Contour Next Gen ads. If you haven't heard it, you really should go find it. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by US Med. USMed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. U.S. Med is where Arden gets her Dexcom and Omnipod supplies from, and they have much more. USMed.com forward slash juicebox. Head over now, get your free benefits check, and get started with U.S. Med. USMed.com forward slash juicebox. My name is Sheila, and I have had uh, type 1 diabetes since 1967. Sheila, you almost made me curse right away. (laughs) I don't know why. Well, I know you've had other people on that have had it as long as I have, but, um, you know, initially that was my, my goal in coming on here. I wanted to basically, you know, for newer people say, you can do it. You can live a great life. Have you lived a great life? I have. (laughs) How do you measure that? You know, had a wonderful childhood and, and did anything the other kids did and went to college and had a great career in software, married a wonderful man, had two absolutely wonderful children, and uh, yeah, it's Mm. a great life. That sounds good to me, that's for sure. Um, What is the biggest difference between having diabetes now and having it 56 years ago? And how old are you? I'm sorry to ask. I am 61. 61. So you got diabetes when you were five, about. Yes. Okay. Uh, what's, what's the biggest shift from the earliest you can remember to now? Oh, oh, it's completely different. I mean, when, when I was diagnosed, uh, I know they, they told my parents, you know, I had a very specific diet and I remember, you know, getting the exact same breakfast and the exact same lunch and just measuring very, very carefully. Uh, and now you know, I can eat almost whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> oh. what, what do you have the toughest time bolusing for? Ugh. I mean, I love bread. I do. Um, <laughs> but it can be tough. 
And, you know, I'll try to go with like whole grains. I mean, those are easier. Um, but if there's an occasion and there's, you know, white bread, that can be challenging. Mm-hmm. White bread, uh, any white bread? Have you ever tried making sure it doesn't have high fructose corn syrup in it? I have not baked any, although I know I know. I asked for your re- recipe for pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I haven't made my own bread, but I have found a brand that, you know, works very well, and that's what we buy. Good. I want to say I don't have a recipe for pizza as much as I use someone's, and I'll give them a plug here because let me find it for you. It's interesting. It's called, I use a recipe that I found on YouTube by a company called Stadler Made, and they also have a website. It's stadlermade.com, and I I make a Neapolitan pizza out of that. I usually use their cold fermented recipe, and right. uh, I let my dough sit a few days before we use it. And huge shout out to them. And it's a it's a great it's a great easy recipe, and then the website puts together. You just tell it how many pizzas you want, how big you want the balls to be, and it gives you the it gives you the breakdown. So wow, very nice, and it hits easy. That I mean that was. Not on purpose, by the way. It's not like I looked at their website and it said, hey, if you use insulin, our our pizza crust you know, recipe might be easy for you. It's just that I think between like a thin crust pizza, right, without a ton of anything in it. I mean, if I'm thinking correctly, that pizza dough has flour, sea salt, yeast, water. That's all it's in it. Right. And then, you know, the way you dress the pizza up really ends up being you know, the big part of it. So if it's not, you know, cheese isn't dripping everywhere. Right. <laughs> and if it doesn't right. have, you know, a whole link of sausage on every slice, that kind of stuff, it's it's not too bad to bowl us for. Uh, but back then, I mean, I think obviously you were, were you boiling needles? Yes. Man, were you really? And, yeah. And yeah. peeing every day to test your blood sugar? Yep. How long yep. do you think you did that for? Oh, I don't remember. Um, it's interesting the things I do remember. I remember hearing the the clicking noise of my mother rolling the insulin, hitting her wedding ring. Interesting. That would make this click, 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 and you know, I would hear that and know I had to go, you know, get my shot. Yeah. Hmm. Sure, you're like Pavlov's dog with that, <laughs> and, and you know, and you know, modern people don't even know what you're talking about. That like they don't roll their insulin before they inject it they just take it out of the out of the refrigerator and go but you had to it had to get mixed right yeah like we kind of like mixed back up again so your mom was just going like this and it was hitting her ring and you remember that yeah yeah the noise isn't that something yeah and it's funny i i've spoken i mean my parents passed a number of years ago but um i was asking i have an older sister and i was asking her some questions before i came on here and and she was telling me that I guess that in the very beginning I did have some seizures. I don't remember any of that. Interesting. So your sister remembers you have does she remember it in a traumatic way? Yeah. I mean she remembers, you know, my mother like struggling to get me to drink juice. And yeah, I mean Did she talk I, to you about how it felt? Um more she was kind of no, I, no, no. Is the straight answer. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just um, no. When I was asking her questions about you know what happened back then, I just know I was diagnosed because at at five I had started wetting the bed. 
And that's how they figured out to get you to a doctor. Yeah. yeah. Is there Has there been any other type one in your family line? Yes. And this is interesting. Um, so I have a younger brother and he has had type one. He was diagnosed when he was around 30. So he's had it for about 25 years. Mm-hmm. And my older sister also uh, just in the past year was diagnosed as type one. Um, a few years ago, she was misdiagnosed as type two. Wow. How old is she now? She is 69. Wow. That's a crazy time to be diagnosed. Yeah. Have you guys been, have you been helping her with it? Like the, the three of you, yeah. are the three of you close? I guess I should ask first. Like you. Well, <laughs> we're close. We're definitely, we're all, the five of us, we're all very close. But um, my brother is just kind of like, that's nice, Sheila, but I'm going to do my own thing. So, okay, that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, my sister has been asking questions. And and so, yeah, whenever, you know, I'll, I'll try to help her out. She's doing pretty well. Um, I'm, I have, you know, her Dexcom follow for her on my phone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's doing okay. Did it scare her? I I don't. Only because she knows I've had it all my life. Yeah. I think, honestly, she was glad. I mean, when they did put her on insulin, she started to feel better. Because mm-hmm. she had been on metformin, and and that she really struggled with. Okay. Sheila, let me ask you a quick question. Do you work at a prison? Are you letting people in and out of the yard? What is that beeping? Uh-oh. Do you hear a beeping? I do not. Okay. But that doesn't mean anything. My hearing is bad. What? My hearing is bad. I'm screwing with you, Sheila. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's not right. <laughs> Took me a minute there. It's fine. <laughs> but I, I feel like... <laughs> sorry. Uh, there's... um, I feel like there's... It almost feels like a window's opening that has an alarm. It's like, like a door. It's like... And then it stops. And then it happens a minute or two later. Is there nothing in your house that does that? No. Okay. Your pump's not making a noise. It's like muffled or muted or something. No, I just checked it. Okay. All right. Well, listen, you may be being pulled up to the mothership by UFOs. If you disappear, that's where I'm going to assume you went. (laughs) Oh, my God. I have to tell you, uh, my kids mess with Kelly constantly because her her hearing's okay, but there's something she's going to be pissed if she hears this one day. I don't remember exactly what it is, but there's something with her hearing with like tones or something like that. So she doesn't hear you right away all the time. And uh, yeah, and and it's, you would think there'd be like a loving support, but it's more like an unmerciful mocking for some reason. Oh Oh my gosh. Meanwhile, meanwhile, that's, uh, that's, that's not to be laughed at. Like it, it, um, as, as you watch her, it's tough because people have a, do you do this? My mom does it. My mom's like, I don't know what you would call her. Deaf as a doornail, maybe. And um, <laughs> and she'll do this thing where she, I think it's out of, I don't know, honestly, if she's embarrassed or if she's just trying to not break the flow, but she tries to infer what's going on. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then and then you end up saying something and people are like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not what's being said right now. And right. Do, you, do you do that or have you thought of it and... Well, oh yeah, no, I definitely do that. Um, it's not intentional. It's just, yeah, I guess um, certain sounds. I, I mean, I wear hearing aids, but but even with the hearing aids, right? Yeah, sometimes I have to guess. Okay. 
and and I don't always get it right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think this is what we're talking about. Have you ever gotten into a situation where someone shows up at your home and you're like, why are you here? And you've made plans with them and you didn't know or something to that effect? (laughs) I want to tell you about U.S. Med. This is, all right, I'm going to tell you something embarrassing about me, but it's about U.S. Med, so I'll, I'll do it, okay? I was in the, how do I say this? I was on the throne there. The other day, I was seated in my bathroom, and I got an email. Oh, my God. Why am I doing this? All right. It's okay. It's okay. I just... Okay. So I'm taking a sh- and I get an email, and I look at it because I'm, I'm, I don't have anything else going on, and... It's from U.S. Med. (laughs) And it says, (laughs) hold on a second. (laughs) Give me a second. I'm sorry. You should all get a podcast so you know about having to do this. Like, just be so honest. It's all right. Anyway, I'm in the bathroom. Greetings, Arden. Your next order of supplies is eligible to ship within the next 14 days. Please click the button below and fill out the brief form to confirm your orders. I clicked on confirm my order I clicked a couple more times, and that was it. It was over. I received a, uh, another email that said everything was on its way. And uh, <laughs> then I took care of the rest of my business, and I was on my way. And I and I actually thought, um, one, well, that was actually very convenient and easy. And two, I felt a little productive for getting something extra done while I was in the bathroom. But then I guess the third thing I thought was, am I going to tell this story on the podcast? And here I am, usmed.com forward slash juice box. They carry everything from diabetes testing supplies, CGMs. They've got uh, Libre 2, Libre 3, Dexcom G6, G7, Omnipod Dash, Omnipod 5, Tandem Control IQ, uh, the, the T-Slim, right? That one. They have, they've got what you're looking for. You've got to just go get your benefits check. It's absolutely free, 888 888- 721-1514 or usmed.com forward slash juice box. Then if they take your insurance, you're on your way. And they take over 800 private insurers. They also take Medicare nationwide. So your odds of being covered are pretty good. Um, I mean, do I get any points for this? Does anybody, or, or are you guys just like, why, Scott? Just say you were in your car when it happened. I can't, I can't lie. All right, they, uh, they, U.S. Med always provides 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. You're going to get better care and better service from U.S. Med. There's links in the show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com. We use U.S. Med. They're fantastic. USMed.com forward slash juicebox. No, that hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> I'm here for the check, Sheila. The what? We're going into business together. Don't you remember? <laughs> I thought I said I, I thought I said I would buy cookies from your from your nephew. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, I just find that you have to be able to. I know it's a it's a trite thing to say, but uh, it, everything's so serious in life all the time, you know. And it's just easier to laugh about it a little bit and recognize what it is and. You know, absolutely not. Don't be offended all the time. Um, I did something recently that I haven't figured out how to talk about yet. And I thought I was going to say it here and I started to get it out of my mouth. And I was like, I don't know that I'm ready to admit that I've done this yet. (laughs) (laughs) 
So sorry, Sheila. I almost told you a very embarrassing story, and I'm keeping it for another time. All right. Well, maybe by the end of the episode, we'll see. Well, I don't know. We'll see. It's a, I, it's a pretty big screw up on my part, so I'm not oh, certain no. I can. Uh, anyway, okay. So you, you are in an interesting part of your life, whereas you've had diabetes for so long that mm. it's all just a smushed together cloud of loose memories, no different than how I remember myself being five or seven years old, Like, which is to say, I don't remember it. And I, I don't know if younger people can appreciate that, that I don't think I could purposefully tell you a story from a specific time until maybe my, maybe I'm like, I'm 51 now. Like maybe I could go back to like being 13 and tell you something that traumatic that happened and maybe 16 and tell you something that fun that happened. And I definitely can remember the first time I have sex. And yep, so yep. like, like, like <laughs> she was like, yeah, I remember that one and like, yeah, and, and stuff yeah. like that. But I couldn't sit down and be the person who wrote about my own life, like day to day stuff. I just don't, I don't remember any of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I remember bits and pieces here and there, but I'll tell you one thing that I, I very much appreciate now is that I, I think my parents made every effort to treat me the same as my brothers and sisters. Okay. And, and that looking back for me, that was important. You didn't want to be special. Yeah, nobody wants to be different, you know. And so, as much as possible, they tried to make me feel, you know, like I was like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And that was the group. And that was the group you wanted to belong to. The just well, my family. average. No, no, I mean like yeah. average, normal, run of the mill kid. That's the group yes. you wanted to be a party to, right? Okay. Yes, definitely. And even so, when I was um, eight years old. And I've heard other people, I think even Jenny said this, but I wanted to go to Girl Scout camp. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I asked my mother and she said no. And I asked again and she said no. And then I think I bugged her enough until she said, you know what, we're going to ask the doctor. And we went to the doctor's office and I was so shocked. I do remember this. He said, if you treat her like an invalid, she's going to become one. Let her go. Mm. Whoa. Yeah. I couldn't believe he was talking to my parents like that. <laughs> Don't you think, too, your mom just wanted the doctor to tell you no, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I learned to take my own shots. I went to Girl Scout camp. Tell people, too, that story did not happen in black and white. Everything had color on it, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing also that I know, and they didn't even say anything to me, but when I when I think back, about the situation, mm -hmm. there was a nurse at Girl Scout camp. And I don't know if normally there would have been, but there was. Oh, isn't that interesting? A thing you remember, how old do you think you are when you're telling this story about? I was eight. Uh, something that from eight years old, when you don't remember much else, you do remember wondering, did they put that nurse here for me or was that nurse always going to be here? Well, I actually, at the time, I, I didn't think about it. But now? It was just like... But but now looking back, I'm like, okay, I bet they had something to do with that. Well, listen, that that lovely person made a nice income during that thing. Often, yes. if, <laughs> if it was for you, feel good about that. You're making jobs, Sheila. You're, you're creating work as you go. <laughs> oh, but it was. I mean, oh my god, I just wanted to go to camp so bad. 
Right. So that was great. Yeah. And that and that's a and that's a happy memory for you. Something you Absolutely. wanted to do that you thought you weren't allowed to do that your mom didn't want you to do. That luckily the doctor was like, let her do it. And, yep. and and all these years later, that whole thing endures in your mind. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think I'm saying that twice, Sheila, so that people listening can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's that's really interesting. I, I was talking to my wife the other day. This is not a fully formed thought yet. But that I feel like I'm seeing more and more people that want to be special. Like they want to somehow distinguish themselves as different. And that they're willing to, I mean, sometimes it feels like they're willing to just like throw in with anything just because it's something other than the normal. And I, I, I'm just mm-hmm. really touched by what you said, because what you really wanted was to be normal. Right. Average everyday fit in. Yep. And, and now I feel like some people are like, I want to be extraordinary. And, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. you hear, I, you hear people talk about, I don't know, sometimes you hear people talk about their children or their situations and they try to make it sound like like something extra is happening. I'm like, I, I don't I don't see this, but okay. And then I think when they label it, they're like, see, I'm this. This is special. My kid is this. And that mm. makes that makes them but I don't know. I just I like that you just wanted to be just like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So you said that you met a man and he was nice. Um, oh my god! How when when did that happen? Is he with us still? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't killed him um, yet. <laughs> no. Are you doing what my no. wife's doing? Just slowly? You just? Uh, I, well, I don't know. <laughs> just chipping away a little that. bit at a time. Just well, God, I'll tell you, God love him for everything that I have put him through. Um, my husband. Oh my god. Um, we met. We worked together. I think it was 86, mm-hmm. 1986, after we started dating, up until that point, I didn't have a home glucose tester. In and 80, I don't know. Wait, in 86, he, you still didn't have one? I didn't have one. When did Mike get one? And, and he bought one for me. Oh, look at that. Yeah. What Isn't a, that so sweet? That's, it's a, such a weird move, but it worked, huh? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. But he's just been so... Oh my God, you know, dealing with, so I didn't even get into my other, I I'm doing well, but I have a number of, of health issues. Mm-hmm. So the first one, well, I have something called Sjogren's syndrome, right. which, you know, other people have, and I have rheumatoid arthritis and that's fine. But in 2001, I was only 39 and I had a heart attack. Holy crap, Sheila. Yeah. Yeah. And he should have oh bought you God. a defibrillator instead of that, that meter all those years well, ago. That well, would have been no, handy, but huh? The thing is, so God bless him. God bless him. I mean, we had two, you know, not super young, but I don't know, seven and nine, seven and nine year old boys. And, you know, he was running around taking care of them and, and taking care of me and just bless him. You know, he, he just made everything work. And then this, this is interesting. So maybe two years after the heart attack, because at the time I thought, Oh God, here we go. This is it. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the diabetes is catching up. I, I'm just going to have to deal with it. And then one day, he says, Sheila, did you see the article in the paper 
about Vioxx, which is a drug that I was taking for my arthritis. Oh, snap, Sheila. You got Vioxx? Yes. And I, right. Yeah, I had been taking it. And then, like, even by the time you saw that article, I had stopped taking it because it really wasn't working. But they took it off the market. Oh, it was working. It just not working the way they told you it was going to. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heart attacks. (laughs) And it's so bizarre because I felt so happy. (laughs) Because it wasn't diabetes. It wasn't diabetes. Yeah. Sheila, you got good perspective. Hey, did you sue them? No. You didn't get in on that class action lawsuit? a, A lot of people said that to me. No, I did not. In 2007, Merck and Company agreed to pay $4.85 billion to settle claims over its arthritis medication, Vioxx. The company faced an estimated 50,000 lawsuits filed by people who experienced serious side effects, including heart attacks and strokes after taking Vioxx. This is from drugdangers.com. And mm. let's just real quick, Sheila, let's just, let's just do this. Sorry, I'm going to ask Siri. $4.8 billion divided by 50,000. 96 grand you could have got, Sheila. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, <laughs> you could have bought yourself 96 grand. My goodness, you could have got yourself a nice summer cottage. Oh, uh, my. <laughs> well, all well, right. This don't is insane. Don't tell, right. don't tell. <laughs> He's going to listen to this. But <laughs> yeah, at least you could have finally paid him back for that blood glucose meter, which I imagine yeah, 86 yeah, yeah. was pretty expensive. <laughs> oh, my no, goodness. Well, so you, how long were you on Vioxx? I don't know, maybe a year or two. No kidding. Hey, did it help with your arthritis at all? It really didn't. Way to go, Mark. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, so so you took it for a couple of years. You got off of it though. How long were you I off did. how long were you off of it before you had the heart attack? Um, no, I think I was taking it when I had the heart attack. Oh. But well. then after that. You know, the uh, rheumatologist, you know, I told him, like, this this just isn't working. And so I got off of it. Uh, Yeah, no kidding. So what was the severity of the heart attack? Was there lasting damage or how was that? The way they worded it to us is they said that if I was, you know, if my heart was a six-cylinder engine, I lost one of the cylinders. Oh, that's not comforting at all, is it? So, well, I mean, okay. But then years after that, I was seeing my cardiologist and he said, and, and he went in to, to look for some reason. And he said, oh, you have uh, collateral vessels. And I said, what's that? And he said, oh, new, new vessels are growing uh, in the damaged area. That's cool. So it was trying to heal. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I'm, I'm good. I mean, my husband and I, I would say five out of seven days a week, we walk for three miles. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my heart is strong and, you Good know. For you. That's a long time ago now, too, 2007. Let me count. Yeah. 2017, that's 10, 18, 19, 20, 20, That's like 16 years ago. Yeah. Does yeah. it scare you, though? Do you think about it? Well, yeah, because, I mean, in all honesty, I have had other heart incidents even after that. What does that mean? Arrhythmias? Well, I had to get stents. No, no arrhythmias, but mm-hmm. I've had blockages. Blockages. And okay. I did have to have a bypass. Do they put you on cholesterol medication? Yes. Are you on blood thinners? Yes. Does it make people uncomfortable when they're listening when it sounds like I know what I'm talking about sometimes? Probably. <laughs> Don't you think they're well, like the, the idiot 
And now all of a sudden he rattles things off like he knows stuff. But earlier he was giggling about something. That's right. I'm a paradox, Sheila. <laughs> no, no. I mean, no, you, you, you always, uh, you know, kind of play yourself down, but you're, you're very sharp. Stop it, Sheila. I'm a big moron. Now let's keep no, talking. No, no, all no, right. no. <laughs> no I, I bump into walls all the time. And I, I, I always, I'm like, who am I? Uh, <laughs> actually, you have no idea. There are days when I'm like, I can't believe I got dressed by myself. <laughs> so, um, although I did a, I don't want to say. <laughs> Look, oh. I, I got too much I don't want to say today, Sheila. That's not good oh, news for my. podcasting. Maybe at the end, like you said. But they're not, are they saying that the heart stuff is from the Vioxx? Or are they saying it's from diabetes? Well, I mean, they're not, I'm not asking the question and they're not saying why. But, you know, I'm sure, like I said, you know, I didn't, I didn't even test my blood until, what was it, 1986 or 87, whenever, Dan, yeah, probably 86. How can you, let's dig into that for a half a second. So blood glucose meters were available, but they were really big, right? They were literally the size of like a red brick, maybe even bigger than that. And they were expensive and not a lot of people had them in their homes. So were you still peeing on strips? You know, at that point in my 20s, I don't know how much testing I was doing at all. Hmm. Were you taking, like, you still doing cloudy and MPH, or had you gotten into, like, what would it have been then? Were you like, when did Lantus, Lantus maybe? So at the same time when I met Dan, I had been taking uh, NPH and regular. Mm -hmm. And then my, um, the doctor that I had at the time said, hey, there's this new uh, humulin insulin. Oh, okay. Yeah. I skipped over that whole level. Atlantis wasn't until like 2000. So, okay, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. But the thing that happened with that, the short story is uh, I had the first time I tried it, I had an allergic reaction. Hmm. So I had to stop. So I went back to NPH and regular. And then later, I don't remember what year, but at one point my doctor said, Sheila, that they're talking about taking these off the market. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want you to try again, just, just to be sure. And then the second time I didn't have the reaction. Cool. I, Sheila, I got to tell you, I, part of me doesn't understand how you're alive. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, that's like, you, like you just said in my twenties, I don't really know how much I was. So you were in college. What were you getting a degree in, by the way? Computer science. And you weren't testing your blood sugar really. So you weren't peeing on the strips anymore doing anything. No. And were you just taking insulin morning and night? Yeah, I was taking insulin and and I did see this is the other thing that's crazy. It's amazing I'm alive because I never got a lot of training about what I should be eating. Mm-hmm. And basically I avoided sugar. And I was very good, you know, I was a good girl. I mean, I I did not eat any sweets, no cookies. But at the same time, like I would eat a bag of potato chips like it was nothing. Right. You know, and I I didn't know anything about carbs until my pregnant my first pregnancy in 1991. I you know, the doctor said I want you to go to Joslin and they gave me some training. Mm-hmm. And then I knew about carb counting, but I was I, I am very lucky to be alive. Yeah, I mean, it's just like at what point I mean, because this guy, he, I mean, it's not a, it wasn't like a gift. It wasn't like, here's flowers and a meter. Like, so he's, he, your husband sees that you're 
I'm assuming, right, if I asked him, he'd say he saw that you weren't really taking care of yourself and he got you a meter. Well, I think not so much that I wasn't taking care of myself, but more it's like, hey, did you know these things even exist? Oh, like it's a new thing. Like when my dad bought us a VCR, when he was like, oh, my God, do you see this thing? We can watch a movie in the house now. Like that kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah. Because it was that different new. Yeah, because back then, the other thing, and this, you know, I've heard over, I've listened to all your episodes. Thank you. And people say this. I mean, it's not like a doctor ever said to me, you should have a meter. Right. Because I was fortunate enough. I had a, you know, good software job. I could have bought myself one. I don't think I knew they were out there. Okay. But Dan, you know, was like, oh, boy, this girl, you know, I mean, he must have done some reading. I'm sure he did, knowing him. He wanted to know more about diabetes. And he saw that these things existed, and he bought me one. Hmm. And back then, when he bought it, I am absolutely positive it cost a good amount of money. Yeah. Uh, He was trying to get in your pants, too, Sheila. 100%. 100%. And it worked, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you're not a cheap date at all, Sheila. You're like, I want medical equipment. <laughs> I need medical devices. If you're even going to knock on the door and say hello. <laughs> oh, God. No, he was so he was very caring. And the other thing is um, around that same time, he bought me a cell phone. This guy working. Look at him. And, and this, again, was way back, you know, when... I, at the time, I didn't know anybody who had a cell phone. Oh, would you call your husband kind of like a tech forward person? Oh, oh, absolutely. Is yeah. this the same yeah. cell phone I had? It was in a black canvas bag and it plugged into your cigarette lighter in your car? It might have. I don't, God, I don't even remember. I just know at the time he gave it to me and I was like, damn, that's so sweet. And I was thinking, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I just. I clearly wasn't very forward thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it seemed so odd because I didn't know anybody who had one. And the expense, do you remember, it was a dollar a minute. Do you remember wow. that? It used to be a dollar a minute to make a phone call. And, and of course, I didn't even know that because he was paying for it. And that was in 89 when I'm talking about it. 88, 89, 90, right in there. Right, I was, that's I, around the time. Yep. Yeah, we had bag phones that we got for, how did we get them? Oh my God friend of mine was a cop. There was a special deal they were giving the police and I got in on it. I got a free bag phone and wow. then, and it came with this thing. It was like a dollar. So you barely used it. Like, you know how now everybody's just constantly on their phone. I'll tell you what, if it costs a dollar a minute, that'd slow everybody down. <laughs> you, well, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, you want to yeah. fix, you want to fix people's cell phone addiction, start charging them like that. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, it was a dollar a minute to make a call. You would use it in really, really, really specific situations and if people well, started chatting you'd be I mean, like, he you wanted know. to know like if i was running late or something you know he wanted me to call he mm-hmm. he worried about me he still does he's just very concerned and he wanted to make sure i was okay that's beautiful very nice and he was doing well he's got this meter i would have married him just because i thought he had money right he had this meter <laughs> and he and he was like buying phones i would have been like this guy's got it together did he hold it together by the way or are you or are you supporting him Sheila? <laughs> No, no. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he, uh, both of us, software at the time was a great career to get into, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he's doing well. Good, good, that's really wonderful. 
Surgeons. Surgeons? How do you say that? Sir, it's S-O-G. Why would you put a J after an O? Oh, Sjogren's. Sjogren's. Okay. How does that impact your life? Well, the main thing, I mean, for me, it's dry eyes, dry skin. So it's just annoying. Mm -hmm. But it also causes, for women, you're there's a higher incidence of um, your children having something called uh, congenital heart block. Really? And that did, in fact, happen with us. No kidding. And this is another thing that I, I a little story I wanted to tell. Because, uh, yeah, when, when I was 18 weeks pregnant with our second son, I went just for my regular appointment. And they listened and they could tell. And I could hear it also. There, there was something wrong with his heart. He didn't have a normal heartbeat. So the doctor, you know, she she told me what she thought and made an appointment um, at the children's hospital with a uh, pediatric electrocardiologist. And he explained it to me. And then, of course, I made the mistake everybody makes. I, Google was available back then or some kind of search engine. Right. And, and, you know, I looked at it and it, it did not sound good. And I said, Oh God, I said, do, do you have any patients, you know, who have a child that's doing okay with this condition? And, uh, and he gave me the name of a woman and I called and this 11 year old voice answers and uh, and I said, you know, I'm calling Dr. Dr. Walsh gave me your your number. Can I please speak with your mother? Uh, my baby has heart block. And she goes, Oh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Oh, I, you know, I play soccer and and I just I have to stay away from the microwave. But you know, she's she's just like babbling on. And she did hand me off to her mother, but she sounded great. Yeah. That's she beautiful. sounded great. And that made you feel better. And then they were able to help your son. And yes. And yeah. he's doing great. I mean, he had to get, so he has a pacemaker mm-hmm. and he got his first one when he was five. Um, and then before that, he was just, when, before he got the pacemaker, if he like went to run around or extend himself in any way, his heart rate would not speed up. So he would just get very tired. So most of the time, you know, everybody, people would make comments to me about how well behaved my son was, you know, and it's just. He's in a he, coma. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's not well behaved, but don't worry. You know, yeah, He would sit in color or whatever. And, and, and then um, when he had the surgery, I had bought, this is back when people, um, you know, it was the big uh, cartridge movies. Big cartridge movie. When you went to Blockbuster. Oh, like VHS? Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I rented, because they told me, I rented a bunch of them. And we brought him home from the hospital. And he had never had energy. And he was bouncing off the walls. <laughs> and just running around and jumping. And it was just, oh, my God. It I was bet fun. you that was nice, right? It, just to see that happen. Yeah. And yeah. and he was fortunate Um I guess a lot of kids that have this condition, they have multiple heart problems. Okay. But he just has this one. Okay. So, I mean, he's he's 29 now. Um, mm. He's doing great. 
to me. Now, do his children have a chance of getting it, or no? It's because you had Sjogren's. No, it's because of my Sjogren's. I'm going to read. Uh, congenital heart block is a rare complication of pregnancy associated with Sjogren's disease that may result in death or of the fetus or infant or the need for pacing in the newborn at a later stage. So that's what happened. Right. You got to pace me. Yeah. You know, I have to tell you, when you first started saying this, you said something like, and you were telling me what the effects of uh, Sjogren's was. And you said, but in women. And I'm like, uh-oh, Sheila's going to say something dirty. And then you, and I almost made a dumb, <laughs> I almost made a dumb joke to like get ready for it. And then I'm like, no, let's wait and hear what she says. And then the next thing you said was, my son has a congenital. And I was like, thank God I didn't do that. Because <laughs> that's part of how I put my foot in my mouth earlier about a thing that I didn't want to tell you about yet that I'm warming up to explaining, but still, anyway. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, the, and and uh, so that's his, does he have any autoimmune stuff? No. Um, the only thing that's kind of weird, though, is we are both very sensitive to sunlight. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that's autoimmune, but absolutely, the two of us, if, if we walk out of a building into the sunshine, we start sneezing. Sneezing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hold on a second. The sensation of sneezing when you see the sun is called photo sneeze reflex. Pho photic means light. Yeah, thanks a lot. Photic mm -hmm. means light. Yeah. Thank you, internet. <laughs> I'm a big idiot. Um, literally means reflex. Scientists have given it another name, the autosomal dominant compelling helio omni what the yeah. why are smart oh, people God. stupid <laughs> why do you want to give something a name with five words in it i can't say yeah, <laughs> so crazy. that you can and then they call oh i see why or for for short it's a chew a c h o o all right i take that back well done smart people oh, that's funny yeah yeah um <laughs> it, but is it hold on is it can't be autoimmune Right, that can't be. Well, you know, I don't know. But um, because the other, okay, so the other thing I forgot about is, so I have anemia, but it is not due to lack of iron. Was it? I have to? autoimmune anemia. Get out of here. All right, hold on a second. A chew, I don't see with autoimmune. And if nobody's Googled it, then it doesn't exist. And now you're saying you have anemia, but it's autoimmune. You know, autoimmune. I, I, ha I was lined up with a hematologist yesterday and he had to bail because his wife's having a baby or something like that. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to have to get him back on uh, to do it. Autoimmune hemolytic anemia, AIHA, is, yes. a, is a rare immune disorder. Well, Sheila, you're piling them up here. It <laughs> happens when your body mistakes red blood cells as foreign substances and attacks them. Oh, so you have it and your body like kills it? Treatments include medication surgery or in rare cases, a blood transfusion. Right. Highly manageable, but fatal if left untreated. So how do you treat that, first of all? Well, oh, so that's another one. Right now, I'm actually not... Um, in the past, I was taking something called Epigen that they give to cancer patients, mm -hmm. and it worked, and I felt great. And then, again, my husband says, Sheila, did you see this article? <laughs> <laughs> how, come this guy, how come this guy's always figuring stuff out after it he, gives you he a heart reads, attack? <laughs> it's all, these are all from the Wall Street Journal, but he, he reads it and. uh and yeah, there was an article about, again, heart issues with Epigen. 
So I just made the decision I would rather be kind of tired than than worry more about my heart. Hmm. Anemia drug made billions, but at what cost? Washington Post, 2012. So taking iron doesn't help you? No. Because it's killing the cells. Right. The cells have plenty of iron. Have you tried a blood transfusion? I have had blood transfusions. Um, but most of the time, I just kind of hover at a, a, I mean, I forget the numbers off the top, honestly, but they've been the same for years. and. I'm lower than what they want for people, but I can function. So we just kind of keep an eye on it. Okay. Now when, <laughs> so are you ready? Yep. Okay. Um, in 2020, at the beginning of it, I was diagnosed with cancer. What the fuck? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. God, and, um, are you, what the fuck? So, so how in the hell why is it always you why is it always people like you who come on here and tell me I've lived a good life and then at the end of the hour I feel like Rocky at the end of the movie when I lost like why well, like what is No, but I have lived a great life and I was very lucky. So a couple of things. I'm going to say this one right out loud. They found it in my just regularly scheduled mammogram. So ladies get those mammograms. Because I, you know, I never would have known. I went, they found it, you know, I had the surgery. And then because <laughs> it was a rare type of cancer also. So they removed the cancer. And then I did chemo, which as a diabetic is challenging. Mm -hmm. Because they, they have, as part of the chemo, they put steroids in it. Oh, and your blood sugar was a problem. Yeah. But I, I actually, I did pretty well. So I was able to handle that. But they were, you know, watching my blood while I was getting the chemo. And I had to have infusions with every round. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to keep it up. What kind of cancer was the show? You said it was rare. Um, I had, it's called triple negative breast cancer. Triple negative breast cancer. Yeah. Um, found during a mammogram. Yep. Anything, is that a, a family thing? Other people with breast cancer in your life? Uh, I have a cousin, but no. Other types of cancer. My dad had um, skin cancer. Mm -hmm. And and I have another co uh, cousin who had uh, pancreatic cancer. Mm. Is that a mastectomy did you get? No, a lumpectomy. No? A lumpectomy, okay. Yeah. But the good thing is I did get the um, testing that they do to find out if basically if you're going to pass it on to your children. And that was all negative. Good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now I'm going to have to tell you my story. Okay. <sighs> all right. I'm looking forward uh, hold on. to it. No, I feel like an ass already. Hold on a second. <laughs> all right. This needs a tiny bit of context. Okay. Because <laughs> it'll make me seem, I don't know, it's not going to help, but let me just, it'll make me more comfortable. So I needed a new monitor to make the podcast with. I'm looking at it right now. I found one online. Uh, it was going to take too long to get. I found one locally, not that local, like 45 minutes from my house, but I had to go get it. So I worked a full day. I did two recordings. I made dinner. I took care of my life. And then I said to my wife, I'm going to rush to this place and try to get there before it closes. So I pulling up and no lie, the kids out front pulling down the metal door. 
I parked my car and I jumped out. And I walked up to him. I went, I was like, brother, listen, I drove like an hour to get here. I know exactly what I'm buying. I'll be out of here in five minutes. I have a credit card even. Like, like I, there'll be no mess. Like, and he's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, come in. So I came in. I'm looking around where the monitors are. I don't see it. There's a kid there. He's like, can I help you? I said, I'm looking for this monitor. I told him the brand and everything. He goes, oh, absolutely. I have that. I was like, great. And he goes, I'll just bring it up front for you. You can go head up. And I was like, oh, okay. But then I got kind of like sidelined. I was looking at something else as I was walking up. And so he comes out with the monitor. I'm not to the front. So he says, why don't you just come over here to this little kiosk and I'll ring you out here. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. Cause there was like a line up front. And I was like, oh, thank you. And as we come up, this tiny little kiosk has two places to ring people up. And I sort of came around the back of these two women. So they did not see me coming. And when I settled in at the kiosk where the kid put the monitor down, uh, one woman was seated, but the other woman was standing. And the woman that was standing was startled. And I think because I came from behind her and I just looked up at her and I was like, I'm sorry. And she goes, no, 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 I'm sorry. And she starts to back away from me. And I'm like, like now I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Like, why is she backing away? Why is she sorry? Like, you know, and then she looks at who I realized later is her mother, an older woman, probably in her sixties. And the woman, the other woman's the standing woman is, I don't know. She's probably in her forties. And she, the mother's like, it's okay. And she goes, no, like, you know, he might not want me near him for health reasons. And then I realized she was wearing a mask and I thought, oh, oh. she's just nervous about COVID still. And I'm not thinking, I want to be clear. I had worked all day. I had just driven an hour. I was hungry. I was tired. And I tried to be funny, not even on purpose. It just came out. Like I was getting my credit card out. I'm looking at the kid who's ringing me up. And I said, it's okay. It's not like I have cancer or anything. Uh-oh. And there's a pause, Sheila. Uh-oh. She goes, I have breast cancer. And the voice in my head, now a lot of the rest of the story is the voice in my head. The voice in my head goes, mother and like and then and then and then and then the voice in my head goes dumb 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 and then i look up at the kid that's helping me he's like 19 here's the look on his face oh what the fuck did you do and like and so he's looking at me like that the voice in my head is saying the same thing and i just bear down and i could hear my voice go well scott you think you're good at talking to people now's a good time to prove it and i turned and i faced her and I said, I'm really sorry to hear that. And I didn't mean to be flippant like that. I, I apologize. What kind of cancer do you have? And she said, I have breast cancer. I'm about to have my breast removed this week later. That's um, I'm having a surgery. And I said, wow. I'm glad they caught it in time. Are you okay with all that? And she said, yeah, I'm pretty comfortable about what's going to happen. I feel good about it. And I said, are you thinking about getting reconstruction afterwards? And she said, no, I don't think so. I've toyed with the idea of maybe doing some tattooing, but I don't think I'm going to get an implant. And then she and I had a very real conversation hmm. and wow. then her mother got involved in it and we talked some more. And I said, well, I, I don't, this is not an apples to apples comparison. I said, but my mother uh, just beat cancer this year. She was 80. She had a huge tumor on her ovary hmm. and a couple of other places. She had a full hysterectomy. And then the mom's like, I had a full hysterectomy. That's a hard thing to bounce back from. We talked about my mom. And by the time it got all done, I said, I'm sorry, what's your name? She told me her name. I, uh, she asked my name. I told her my name. And we had had a really lovely five or six minute conversation. Oh, and I turned back to the kid at the register and I made eye contact with him. And with my eyes, this is what I said, Sheila. I said, 
fuck you, I did it. <laughs> because he now he's looking at me like, how did you do that? And I was like, right. I talk to people for a living, friend. And so I and so then I I paid him and I turned I just ignored him. Like, be clear, the transaction stopped because I was like, first of all, being serious. I was like, what the hell did I just do? You, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want this lady to feel bad. I was I just picked the biggest thing I could think of. That would be a reason why you wouldn't want someone near you during a pandemic. I could have said anything. I wasn't thinking. And normally, this is not how I would have acted in public. I I think it was just all the rushing around and silliness. And and anyway, not the point. So I turned back to her and we wished each other well. And as I was getting ready to leave, she said, you are such a lovely person. And I said, thank you. And she goes, I'm really glad we had this conversation. I feel better. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. And I said, I am very sorry about my joke earlier that led to this conversation, but I'm glad that we talked. And she said, me too. And the mother um, waved goodbye to me. And as I was walking away, I heard the mom say, he was so nice. And I thought, like, I don't know, like whatever the noise is for wiping your brow and throwing a lot of flop sweat aside, because I felt like a dick, Sheila. No, 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 no. That is, I mean... No, that's you were very nice. And, And people do make that comment. I mean... You know, a lot of times in life they'll say, well, better than cancer. You know, I mean. But that that's happens. not usually how I roll in public. You know what I mean? At the very least. Like, well, it, it was, that was not indicative of how I am in public. Like, I'm not a person. I'm not a podcast host when I'm walking around a store buying a monitor. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was just trying to get in and out of there. And it just, the, it was the whole interaction. It was how It was how oddly she was shocked by my presence and how she was suddenly worried about my health. And I don't know, like my brain just went to the biggest thing. Like, don't worry. It's, it's not like I have. And then that word came out of my mouth and I felt her. I feel bad about it now as I'm telling you the story, but I also, I also was very impressed with my ability to turn it around because, and you know what I, you know what I give a lot of credit to? I want to thank the people. It's talking to people online. Like, like it really has helped me to know how to streamline a conversation so Mm. that, so that you can have a reasonable back and forth with people and stay out of the weeds and stay out of the arguments. There is a way to talk to anybody about anything. And I, and I actually am telling the story not because I'm proud of it because I'm, I'm embarrassed, but because I think it really proves that communication is possible anywhere because I put myself in about the deepest hole as I possibly could in that moment. And we still got to a good place and rather quickly. So, and and kudos to her for not just like, kicking me in the balls, which is probably what she should have done. You, you, you know, like, seriously, she probably should have just said, fuck you and hit me with something. But, um, but I just, I don't know. It was, a, it was really interesting how quickly we were able to get on a personal level, like two strangers. And I had a lot of empathy for her, obviously. And I think some of that comes from talking to people too, like understanding more deeply what that means, not just hearing mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm having breast cancer. And then, but having spoken to a person like you, for example, and and having deeper context. Anyway, if that person ever hears this, I am genuinely sorry about that. And, but I thought it was worth mentioning here. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good story. Yeah. And, well, uh, it's a good story. I didn't tell my wife for two days. Oh. <laughs> All right. Cause I was like, I knew she was going to be like, you're a moron. <laughs> I know that's how she was going to start. And so oh, I, no. uh, I mean, you handled it. You handled it wonderfully. And, and, you know, that's what people should do. Yeah. I mean, that's a it's a good example for everyone. Well, I handled it wonderfully after I made the problem. 
So we yeah. all make mistakes. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Cause that was a big <laughs> one. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I wish you could have in the first 10 seconds heard the thoughts in my head. Like I was like, you <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> like, like why that? Why anything? Why not just smile and say thank you? Like, why did you, like, and, oh, my God. Anyway, oh. it was terrible. I got in the car afterwards, and I just sat there for a second. I was like, oh, my God. I am so stupid. No. <laughs> what oh. in the hell? And I felt bad for her and, you know, like, the whole thing. But I got out of there, and uh, I'm hoping she's well. It sounded like she had a good plan, and she was going to a good uh, institution. And uh, I think she will probably make out pretty well based on her her example her description of what's going on so anyway knock on wood for her uh okay sheila sorry see why i didn't oh. want to tell that <laughs> triple i actually i think it's a good i i i mean it's a great story it says a lot about you because you are very very good at you know talking oh. and relating to people used all my talking skills in that moment <laughs> i was like <laughs> Because I just I had to I had to speak next, right? I had put her in this awkward situation. Like it was on me to fix it, and I was you pretty. Sh- but I was pretty sure the next thing I said had to move us in a different direction. Like I like I didn't even want to start with a like you know like oh my god I'm sorry because I felt like I would have been apologizing for her breast cancer, which I was oddly not not how I felt. I was apologizing for my ridiculousness. And then it was funny, I think, just making the podcast and maybe me being who I am uh, in some way blended, I was immediately interested in her story then. And I Mm -hmm. thought that that would probably be the most comforting to her is to just be able to verbalize what had happened to her. And so we, I just, I basically interviewed her in a store for like four minutes. Wow. And it was, and it seemed like it, she was grateful to talk about it with somebody. Made her really comfortable. And then we joked a little bit about my mom with, with her mother. And and then she got to talk about her mom and how proud she was of her. And it was really nice, honestly. Just started very poorly. So, anyway, I won't be doing that again anytime soon. That was, you know, if you said you've learned, you've heard this podcast. Like, you remember me telling a story of when I was 20 and my friends betting me that you couldn't say anything to a stranger and get away with it. You ever heard that story? I listen to it sounds vaguely familiar. I've listened yeah. to all of them, Thank but you. I don't know if I can. It's uh, a lot. I don't remember all of them either. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my my buddies and I were sitting in a diner, like in the middle of the night one night, doing what kids do, like talking about the world and everything. And I made the assertion that I thought you could say anything if you said it the right way. And they bet me like twenty dollars that I couldn't, and then gave me a very very bad word to say to the the waitress. And I had to try to work it into conversation in a way that would leave the person comfortable still and i mm-hmm. failed i failed miserably the first time like to the point where i, I think i lost the 20 dollars in the tip later i was like here sorry and then we explained it to the person we were like look we were it's a thought exercise and it was dumb and we're sorry but eventually i did get to that point and now like one of the nicest things people say to me is like i had somebody told me one time like you could tell me my dog died and i think i'd thank you when it was over <laughs> right. and, and I was like, oh, thank you. I do pride myself on being able to speak to people. So anyway, that's a lot of story about nothing. And I'm sure most of the people listening now are like making pitchforks and like things to burn on my front lawn <laughs> because it was terrible. Uh, but a lot a lot of good came out of it afterwards. So I'm going to call it a wash at least. Uh, what else? 
Sheila. Like, I mean, you, you just keep saying things like, did your head fall off ever or anything like that? No, no, <laughs> no. no. Um, but actually, all right. So I have one thing that I wanted to get in on the, on the podcast please. and what brought me to, to listening to the podcast. So at some point in my forties, my endo said, you know, you get a medal if you have diabetes for 50 years. Hmm. And I thought, really? I thought, wow, damn, I want to, I want to get that. Right. And then I started when it was getting close and I was about to get the medal, a couple of friends said, you know, Sheila, you should write a book. And, and so I thought, all right, you know, maybe I will. And I thought first I'm going to look and see what's out there already. What'd you find? I, I had never really said to myself, gee, could you be doing this better? Like I was just living life, you know, working, I got my kids, everything else. So I, you know, I started looking around and I found all these books, you know, and I read, I read a bunch of them. I read, you know, sugar surfing and I read think like a pancreas and, and, you know, bright spots and landmines and, and then I started, you know, finding, you know, Googling around and I found stuff on Facebook and I found the podcast. So up until then, like my A1Cs would be like in the sevens mm-hmm. and, and my doctor would be, you're doing great. You're, that's beautiful. That's great. And they never even said, but you could be doing better. Mm-hmm. So since I started listening to the podcast, now my A1Cs are in the fives. Wow. I appreciate you holding that story until after I told my terrible story because it makes me seem better. And uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll get people to cut me a little bit of a break on the other thing. Well, this, um, I mean, this podcast is just wonderful. Well, I'm glad. That's that's really terrific to hear. I actually found an article online of you celebrating your 50-year Lily medal. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really that's really that's beautiful. Do they still do that? Yeah, do yeah. That? You can still get a Lily medal. That's excellent. Oh yeah. Tell me a little bit about. So you you mentioned three books that I. I'm just going to admit I've never read, but I've have I've had two of the three authors on, and um yes. and and I've hear nothing but great things about them. But what was the difference between reading a book and listening to the show? Like, how was one thing, I mean, how how did it strike you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why did one thing get to you and the other thing didn't? Well, I mean, the books definitely, you know, they were good and they had good yeah. information. And I did, you know, get little pearls of wisdom from those. But I think with the podcast, and especially over time, like, there would be topics that you covered, you know, early on, like in the, you know, 100, 200, but then like later episodes where they would be revisited and like really going into more depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just the, all the stories that people would tell, you know, almost every episode, there's some pearl of wisdom. Somebody says something and I think, oh, I didn't know that. Or, oh, I could do that. I could try that. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, it just all adds up. Yeah. I think so. The repetition is valuable. It's hearing it, then building on top of it that's valuable. Yes. Is it being spoken even better for you? Yes. Yeah, I think so, too. 
I um somebody asked me uh, a publisher asked me to write a diabetes book once. I should not say this out loud because people are always like Scott write a book about diabetes, but I just don't think it's um as valuable a use of my time because I think then you put an idea down and it's and it's stagnant then and you can't mm-hmm. you can't build on it. You can't like in the pro tip series. There's the bump and nudge ed- episode. And yeah. when I made it, I thought that's good, that's perfect, that does what it needs to do. And then I watch people online and once in a while I would hear people like I was I could see that in their management they were bumping and nudging too much. And I would go say to them, "Hey, look, you know, if you find yourself always making adjustments, your core settings are probably off. Like you shouldn't have to be adjusting this often." Right. And then I went back and listened to the bump and nudge episode and I was like, oh, I never said that in there. And, you know, you could think, well, well, you should have, but I think what people might not understand about the podcast and maybe why it works in the way you just described is because that when Jenny and I sat down that day to make a bump and nudge episode, we sat down with two words in front of us, bump and nudge. And in fairness to Jenny, those aren't even diabetes terms. And so we started talking and having a conversation about it. And it's not like, I don't know what you all imagine. It's not like I have a bullet list here of things I meant to talk about. So I just let the conversation take me where it does, even when we're doing the management stuff. So I was like, one day I'm like, well, this needs an update. I need to add more context to this. And we made a bump and nudge too. I called Jen, you know, I said to Jenny, hey, next time we record, I want to make an update to the bump and nudge episode because I'm seeing people online say this thing and I feel like they need more context. Now, I don't know if the people online who said that actually heard the bump and nudge episode, right? All I can tell you is that the information I'm putting out, it needed this addendum. And and I only knew that by putting it out and then watching people react and, and saying, okay, well, I'm still seeing these questions in the world. We should address those questions too. Um, you can't do that with a book. Yeah, I mean, you can keep right. rewriting it, but it's, I'm not going to go back and keep rereading it. You know what I mean? Like if I added a chapter right, to yeah. a book, you're not going to, Sheila, Sheila doesn't get a notification in her house. It's like, oh, they've added a chapter to a book I've liked. I'll go back and reread the entire book. That doesn't happen. And this, right. this contextually is easier. It just shows up in your app and you spend an hour doing the dishes and listening to me tell horrible stories about things I've done apparently at a, at a store. <laughs> and uh, and somewhere in there, here's something that helps you. And yeah, the format works. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah, it's and it's, is dumb luck, right? I mean, we talked earlier about a cell phone in a bag that costs a that cost a dollar to use. I mean, it didn't have data. I don't know. I'm going to look up a bag phone right now and see if I can figure out. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, no, it was just you know just a phone call. No, nothing. Uh, yeah, nothing. No internet access. No mm-hmm. apps. Yeah, and and so the point is that that technology came along, and I think what 2000. 2006 or seven, the iPhone. And when it came out, people didn't even know what to do with it. It didn't do anything. That's why the app store is so important. Like people now wouldn't understand that. But back then the phone came with a calculator. It came with email. Mm -hmm. Did it even come with email? Like Like it basically didn't do anything. You could get on the internet. It was super slow. But adding, you know, beefing up cell phone towers and making the signals faster and allowing third parties to make apps, that's how you get a podcast. And then that yeah. happened, and then the the world shifted away from reading, which made me shift away from blogging, and all these things intersected to you at, you know, in your 60s, which is, by the way, 
pretty cool that you found a podcast and um, <laughs> saying that my A1C is in the fives now. And I could make a point that your A1C is in the fives now because cell phone technology got better or because Apple opened up an app store or any number of reasons that led to a podcast being a real thing. But, but uh, no, absolutely. The, the, I mean, those things helped you to do the podcast, but the podcast has helped me. Yeah, Sheila, listen, I'm terrific, but I don't have a leg to stand on right now after telling that story earlier, so I can't talk about it that way. I can't really, at this point, there are people calling the police on me, you know? They're like, did you hear what he did? Do something. So, um, but no, I, I appreciate that very much. It's 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 the other part of it. Like, I talk about it sometimes, but it's just being able to communicate. It's not something everyone can do. And right. I didn't even know that it's funny how these stories kind of coalesce once you start telling them. But when I wrote my book, I did write a book. It wasn't about diabetes. It was about being a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. And I would go out and do media for it and did one. And I think it's pretty clear. Like if you've ever done business with me, you're doing business with like this energetic version of Scott. I don't have an ability to act professional. And so my book publisher got an interview for me and I went and did it. And it came out and she called me, actually two of them called me and they were like, you were terrific. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. She's like, in the interview, you were amazing. And I was like, I, I, I definitely wasn't amazing. I just, guy asked me some questions. I answered them. I talked a little and she said, she starts then talking to the other publisher. We're on a three-way call and I'm now suddenly not part of it. They're talking about me in front of me. <laughs> and the guy says, it's because he's not really an author. And I was like, I was like, uh oh, this feels insulting. Where is this going? And then they started saying to me that people who write books are generally speaking great at writing, but they're not terribly good at talking. And I didn't know. And, and he, as a general rule, and he's oh. like, and he's like, this is working because he's not really a writer. Like he's he's not a person who lives in his head and like you know like that kind of stuff. And so I started doing more and more interviews. And I, I was having a good time and it was going well. And everybody's probably heard the story about eventually I ended up on the Katie Couric show. And she's like, you're good at talking to people. And I made a podcast, et cetera. But I, I heard someone just the other day uh, described, have you ever heard of Huberman Labs? Huber, is that how you say it? It's a really popular podcast right now. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not. It, it doesn't matter. It's Huberman Lab. And the guy that's on the episode is just naturally a good communicator. But he happens to also have a lot of knowledge about the things they're talking about. And I think that every once in a while, you get a mix of somebody who understands the thing and can talk about it. And that's mm -hmm. that's where the value comes in. And I, for whatever reason, am, am good at that in regards to diabetes. Yep, so, absolutely. It's just dumb luck, Sheila. That's all. <laughs> the same reason you're still alive, by the way. <laughs> God, I mean, you've probably <laughs> added years onto my life. Well, I was going to say dumb luck, but yeah, like I just doing better. Do you feel better? Do you like that difference between a seven A one C and a five? Is there like noticeable difference? Well, I feel good. I mean, I I do. I look at. I don't know if you probably know this, but I mean, there are type ones that you know are out there that have had it for like eighty five years. Mm -hmm. Like this is starting to happen. Yeah. And, and I look at them and I say, you know, all right, that's, that's my next goal, right. you know, <laughs> Why not me? 
And I, you know, and I might make it. Yeah, damn right you might. I mean, hell, you're still alive after all this. I think you're, it's the same way I think about my mom. So my my mom, you know, if people are kind of following along, uh, 79 years old, looks like, literally looks like she's about to die, can't get a diagnosis right away. We finally get one. Next thing you know, doctors don't want to do surgery. You're so old. It's not going to work, blah, blah, blah. My neighbor's kid grew up to be a surgeon. He hooked me up with a friend who hooked me up with another person. My mom gets this surgery, removes the cancer. She spends the next year in chemo. Not fun, you know, uh, with this kind of eye on the prize of moving to where my brother lives. And uh, I'm not going to lie, like we carrot and stick my mom a little bit through chemo. Like if you want to get out there to see Brian, mom, like this is what you got to do today, you know. And she gets the all clear and moves out there. And she's there for three, four months. And the other day, I just, out of nowhere, I'm like, I haven't talked to mom in a couple of days. And then this never happens to me. I talk to my mom like every 48 hours, right? Wow. And and so I texted my other local brother here. And I was like, hey, you talked to mom the last couple of days? He says, no, I don't think so. And so I texted my brother out in Wisconsin. I'm like, something's wrong with mom. And he's like, what, you were just talking to her? And I'm like, no, I can't reach her on the phone. Something's wrong. But she lives in a facility, meaning that she'll, if my mom was dead, someone would have told us, we imagine, right? Like, so, so I'm like, I'm like I mean, you imagine, right? Uh, but the more you learn about these facilities, and even, no matter how nice they are, by the way, mm, you wonder what's going on. So I say to my brother, I'm like, you got, go check on her. He's like, all right. Like, you know, so he heads over Friday, two Fridays ago, and he gets there, and my mom's like, out of it, like, oh. out of it. And he assesses her, dresses her, takes her right to the emergency room. Oh, my God. And sends me a picture of her in a wheelchair slumped over. And he says to me, she was awake five seconds ago. And I I was like, get her there right right now. Like, go. So he gets her there. And it seems like she has a UTI. And this kills elderly people a, yes. a, of all the craziest yes. things, right? And yep. so they hit her with a ton of antibiotics and five hours later and they, you know, give her a bag of saline and five hours later I'm FaceTiming with her and she's like fresh as a daisy. Hey, what's up? And she's fine. Wow. Right. We're like, oh my God. But the next day she wakes up, she's slurring her words. Something's not right. No energy sleeping the whole day away. And we're like, what is happening? So they do all these scans and everything and it takes them a day or two to figure out. They think she's having a little seizures. And then oh. she's sleeping because they're not, not strokes, like seizures. And so she's having little mini seizures where she kind of goes blank for a second. Then she sleeps for 12 hours and they're mm -hmm. happening pretty frequently. So she's not rebounding ever. So they put her on a couple of seizure medications and it doesn't get better. And I make the phone call to my kids. I'm like, Hey, I, you got to find time to call grandma in the next 36 hours. I'm not sure she's going to be okay. And so my kids call her, check in on her. My son calls back. He says, my God, grandmom sounds horrible. Like she's like swallowing her words. Like if she was going to say protein, she'd be like, like that, you know, like really oh like couldn't hold her thoughts. We were asking her questions over and over again to test her memory from just minutes ago. And it looks like she's sliding off a cliff. And then about four days later, she just calls me and she's like, hey, Scott. And I'm like, what's up, mom? Now, in the last four days, my mom's throwing trays of food on the ground in the hospital, yelling at people mm. out of her mind, not herself at all. The hospital understands, right? It's not like she wasn't. And and she just turns back on. 
And so the infection gets through her. The medication starts to work. She gets a couple of days of real sleep and she's just herself and better again. Wow. And I was like, wow, mom, you're going to live forever. Like I just, I have now thought twice in 14 months, everybody call grandma this is it. And she just bounces back. It's, I don't know what it is about her. She's got so many medical issues and she's 80, you know, she'll be 81 this, this summer in August. Um, but I believe it now. Like, I think that if you can get some help and if, if you can get some people looking out for you and a little yeah. bit of good luck, you can go for quite some time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's it. But make no mistake. And translate this back to diabetes if you're listening. If I don't recognize that I hadn't heard from my mom in two days, I don't think she'd be alive because my brother was on the right. night, my brother was on the night shift and he wasn't going to make it there for a couple more days. And the place she's living, you can say, well, they're supposed to take care of her, but these places are not always what you hope them to be. Right. Yeah. So anyway, we have a meeting coming up with them where I imagine I will be unpleasant. Because <laughs> oh, people need to do their job, Sheila. Don't you think? At the yeah, no, least? you're right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I so. think they all, uh, you know, the state of the world right now, so many places are short staffed. Yeah. And, you know, it just it makes it very difficult. Oh, sure. There are people helping my mom. They're 18 and 19 years old. Right. You know, this is the best job they could get. They're not interested in helping people. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's a low paying job. They're, they they probably don't even know what they're looking for. But my sister-in-law goes back and talks to them afterwards, and they describe my mom in the decline, but they never did anything about it. They just, wow. yeah, we noticed she wasn't herself. Your mom slid out of bed. That's not normal for her. She seems fine. Wow. She seems fine, though. She seems fine. She was slurring her words by then and getting ready to pass out, and everybody was just like, oh, she seems fine. Like, Oh. Yeah, no diagnostic ability at all with the people that she has contact with day to day. Yeah, that's you know? not right. So anyway, uh, save a lot of money if you can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> going to be a moment when you get older, and you're going to need to you're going to need to buy your way out of it. It's uh, wow. it's terrible. Anyway, don't get older, right, Sheila? Okay, there you go. <laughs> I mean, unless you want to stay alive, and then you're going to have to. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. What have we not talked about that we should have? Ah, we hit the main points for me, so uh, good to no, go. I think we're good. All right. Well, I can't thank you enough for doing this. And uh, honestly, your story brought out my story, which I thought 45 minutes ago I was probably never going to tell anybody. But then when you had breast cancer, I was like, well, this is I, – I have to tell this story now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn it. Um, I'm glad you did. No, thank you so much. And thank your husband for – taking such good care of you because it sounds like he he's uh he's a good guy he is he really is you made me think of a post that i saw on the facebook page uh yesterday where a guy asked is he's dating a girl and he's worried that she's not he like he like comes around and says i'm worried this person can't love me you know because of my diabetes oh you know and he got such good advice from people and right uh, it just made me feel like i hope he hears this you know yeah, yeah, no, there's there's wonderful people like my husband out there, you know. Yeah. He he just loved me for who I was. It's beautiful. Well, hopefully everybody finds that. 
And um, if you hold on for one second, I will uh, explain some stuff to you about how this goes from here. Okay. Thanks All so right. much. Thank you. A huge thanks to Sheila for coming on the show and sharing her life story. And I also want to thank US Med. And <clears throat> excuse me. I'm still upset about the ad I just read. <laughs> I didn't read it, by the way. I told it's I don't know. I just said it. I didn't read it. Can you imagine if I wrote down the story? I was in the bathroom. I didn't do that. I just said it off the top of my head. Anyway, usmed.com forward slash juice box or call 888-721-1514. Head over there now, get your free benefits check, and one day you'll be ordering supplies from the can. usmed.com forward slash juice box. Links in the show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com. When you use my links, you are supporting the production of the show and keeping all of this free and plentiful. So that uh, will get you a big thank you for me. Thank you. Uh, you know what I haven't done the last couple of episodes? I, I forgot to do it. I'll do it now. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. I swear I'd put a toilet flushing sound right here if I had one. <laughs>